So, <clears throat> this is uh, Peter Wright flying solo tonight because uh, Kathleen, my normal co-host, is uh, taking the weekend off. And I've been very fortunate to have attended a meeting of the PPC and uh, to hear the leader, Maxine Bernier, address a, a good crowd in Norwich, Ontario. So Max has very kindly agreed to give us a few minutes to go over a couple of questions so we can learn more about Max and the PPC and whether we have a good future here in Canada. So thanks for agreeing to the time, Max. It's, it's good to see you. And it was really good to hear you talk earlier. Well, thank you very much for giving me that opportunity. And I'm very pleased to be here. Actually, as you know, I like to travel across the country and meet our people and speaking about the real uh, Western civilization values and the PPC. So that's what I did today. And I had very good questions. So let's uh, have the discussion together. Good, good. And, and I think it's important because the more and more of the people we interview, and we, we've got nearly 200 episodes of our podcast, more and more people are relying on podcasts for their news because they can't trust the mainstream media, right? So we think uh, us and many others are forming an important part of, of history here. So Max, a couple of questions for you. Uh, how will you, as a future Prime Minister of Canada, and we hope that's a, in the near future, resist the attempts by the New World Order protagonists, the, the ones with all the uh, acronyms, the WEF, the WHO, the UN, uh, to force us to surrender our sovereignty. What's your plan to counter that? Yeah, first, uh, you know, I'm the only national politician, leader of a national political party that is not a globalist. I'm not. Uh, actually, the World Economic Forum, the UN, I said, you know, there's dysfunctional organization. The World Economic Forum is promoting socialist value values, and uh, they want to have a, a one um, supranational government. I'm not for that. The PPC is for Canada, our country, and promoting our Canadian values. So what we will do, you know, looking at the UN, we are spending a billion dollars every year to the UN. And Canada will still be part of the UN, but we won't participate in, um, in um, activities that are against our values. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that I believe that we can save a lot of money. So the goal is... Uh, the UN would be able to save money over there, and that will help us to balance the budget. Same thing for the uh, the UN and the Paris Accord. We are the only party that is saying no to the Paris Accord, so we won't be part of that uh, climate hysteria. Uh, actually, that's why, if you look at the other mainstream traditional political parties, like the Conservative, the Liberal, they are, they are saying yes to the UN, they are saying yes to the Paris Accord, they are saying yes to the migration compact coming from the UN for mass immigration. We are the opposite. We want to work for Canadians. Our immigration policy will be uh, made in Canada for Canadians, so we are saying no to mass immigration. So promoting our values, promoting our country, putting our country first, that's why we won't participate in these international organizations anymore. Great. Good. Uh, you, you were on an interview last week on Wednesday, I think. Um, I, I saw it on LifeSite News. And you said that cancel culture and wokeism are yeah. destroying the foundation of our nation. And, and I agree with you 100%. Um, how will you fix that? Yeah. Cancel culture, first of all, uh, that's the situation where we are today. We are there because we have the mainstream media and the national politicians. They don't want to have any discussion. They don't want to have any debate. If you're not part of the narrative, they will cancel you. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing the opposite. I'm welcoming debates. I want to debate with these leftists. I want to debate with the people who 
promoted uh, wokeism. And so let's open this debate. And in our society, if you want to do that, you need to have a respect of our charter of rights and freedoms. So actually, for example, in universities, there's no free speech over there. So to, the way to promote that, it's to cut their spending. If a university uh, doesn't have uh, a freedom, uh, free speech uh, policy, they won't receive any money from the federal government. So we can do a lot of things like that at the federal level. Uh, wokeism, you know, the Bill C-11 that promoted, uh, you know, transitioning. If you're a boy and you think you're not a boy, that's okay for establishment politicians. They think that you can transit. No, that decision must be done by an adult and you must not give uh, hormones to uh, kids to try to transition them to another sex. There's only mm -hmm. two sex. So that bill, C-11, we will repeal that bill. But don't forget that bill was passed unanimously. Polyev and all the conservatives voted for that bill. Yeah. So, yes, there's there's a way to fight for our values, to fight for what we believe, and these kind of bills won't be part of the legislation in Canada. We will do that. Uh, I can give another example for the uh, uh, World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum right now is promoting uh, a digital currency. Mm -hmm. uh, we are against that. It's another way to control what you are doing in your life, where you are spending money, when you are spending money. We, you know, the central bank digital currency, the Bank of Canada is working on a project actually on that. The federal government gave to the Bank of Canada $15 million on three years to implement right. a, a, a central bank digital currency. We are against that. We'll stop that. So we, if you read our platform, all our policies are in line to promote Canadian values, put our country first, and Canadian first. That's why we are the people's party. Sure. And, and I think on that digital currency, I, I think a, a lot of people woke up a couple of weeks ago when, uh, for our international viewers and listeners, uh, we have two major cell phone and internet providers in Canada, and, and one of those uh, went offline. Uh, we don't need to go into the details for a whole day. And that uh, prevented many, many people using their debit cards and some credit cards and yeah. using their telephones. Yeah. They just couldn't use any currency. So there's a, to me, that was a big warning about the dangers of digital currency. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to move on to climate change for a moment. I, I'm a climate change skeptic, and I always have been for years because, A, I've been a, a large animal owner and a farmer for most of my life. And... <clears throat> Canada has 320 billion trees. It's the second biggest, second biggest uh, forest, for want of a better term, in the world after Russia. Right? We only have 38 million people. So I would guess, if uh, I haven't done the maths, but someone more clever than me could work this one out, we are probably a net carbon um, absorber. So, <clears throat> and yet our, our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is on a crusade to <clears throat> destroy farming, to stop us using gasoline-powered cars, yeah. to ruin the economy. And I'm pretty sure that uh, we are burying more carbon through our trees back into the earth than we're, we're producing. So how will you address that one? First of all, we won't sign the Paris Accord, like I said. You know, the Liberal, the Conservative, all together agree with the Paris Accord. That's why they're putting some goals and targets for us. 
And Polyev can say, as the, maybe the next leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, that he won't impose a carbon tax, but he will impose more regulation to be able to uh, follow the targets in the Paris Accord. So that being said, the climate is always changing and yep. it will always change. So for us, we won't do anything on climate change. We won't sign the Paris Accord first, so we won't impose a carbon tax, we won't impose regulation. We will do concrete actions for the environment. There's still some of our lakes that are polluted. We need to clean our lakes, clean our river. We can do concrete actions for our, our environment and we'll do it. But the Paris Accord, the climate change, we won't do anything. We won't promote green, new green energies. You know, we have a strong uh, industry, the oil and gas industry. We must be able to build pipelines. We must be able to exploit our natural resources without any uh, barriers coming from the federal government and with all the that the legislation that Trudeau is imposing and the regulations that Trudeau is imposing to the oil and gas industry. So all that that uh, uh, green um, hysteria and climate change hysteria, <laughs> we don't buy that. Sure. And so I believe that the common sense will prevail and people understand. Actually, Trudeau right now tried to kill the, kill our oil and, oil and gas industry and now he wants to do the same thing with farmers, mm -hmm. uh, with the fertilizers that they're using. Uh, because the new objective for the federal government is to cut emissions coming yep. from farmers by 30% in the next uh, eight years. So we will repeal that. We won't do that. We won't put any targets. And farmers are using fertilizers because if you have more fertilizers, you have more food, and you have more food, prices are going down. If you have less fertilizers, you'll have less food, and prices will go up. Go up for sure. So he's fighting the farmers, and he's fighting Canadians. Because of that crazy policy of the climate change and the Paris Accord. So we're very different than all these establishment political parties. We won't do anything there, and we'll bring more freedom and less regulations uh, to people. Yeah, and I think part of what the government is trying to do by promoting electric vehicles, I believe, is dishonest because they are not telling consumers the downside of electric vehicles. Yeah. Uh, for a start, the electric vehicles are only efficient when the hydro is being produced by renewable energy. Right? That's point number one, which we're, we're doing to a large degree at the moment. But point number two is there's a huge impact on the earth and the world in other parts of the world by extracting large quantities of lithium cobalt and all this um, and that's all being done out of sight in third yeah. world countries largely with child labor too uh, under the control of China a lot of it and yet when those batteries have to be disposed of what's going to happen to them and yeah. what's the cost to the consumer because I was reading the other day that in Australia to get rid of an electric car battery you're looking at a $20,000 fee right yeah. so <laughs> I think there needs to be a little bit more balanced um, policy on electric vehicles. Oh, more common sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm sure hybrids especially, I'm sure, are good for commuters in the city. I think that, that there's room for them there, but to, there's even talk of trying to force farmers to use electric-powered combines. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's just crazy. No, uh, another one, um, something that's on a lot of people's minds at the moment is, is inflation and decline in the economy. And I read today that we lost another 30-something thousand jobs in June in July after 40,000 in June. Those, those are red flags, right? Mm. And inflation's worrying everybody. How will you combat that? 
Yeah, first we must understand why we have inflation. We have inflation because we had a huge uh, and uh, unresponsible deficit by Justin Trudeau, more than $400 billion the last two years. And these deficits, Trudeau didn't have the honesty to tax us to pay for this deficit. What he did, he asked the Bank of Canada to print more money out of thin air. The Bank of Canada was the ATM machine for the federal government. But when you create money out of thin air like that, you have more money chasing fewer goods and you have inflation. So now we have about 8% inflation in this country. Mm -hmm. Inflation is a tax. That's a real tax that we are paying because of the spending that the federal government did. So to control inflation, we need to balance the budget. And like that, we won't, we won't ask the Bank of Canada to print money out of thin air. And we must tell the Bank of Canada to have a zero inflation target. Right now, the Bank of Canada has a target of 2% inflation every year. But 2% inflation is bad. 20% inflation is bad. When you have inflation, your purchasing power is going down. Your standard of living is going down. Everything is, 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 uh, uh, the cost of everything is going uh, is higher, so the only way to fight inflation is to balance the budget, and and you want you and asking the Bank of Canada to have a zero inflation target, we will do that. But actually, you're you're right by saying you know we are not in a recession right now in Canada, but they are in a recession in the U.S. now. Yes. So we will be in a recession yep. because of bad policies, and that will be a tough time. And just to be sure that people understand the impact on inflation, I, I look at the data coming from Statistic Canada. The average increase of our salaries here in Canada for this year will be about 5%. So people can expect to have an increase in their salary this year about 5%. Right. When the inflation is 8%, you are losing, you are poor by 3% yeah. this year. So with that inflation, everybody is poor. Everybody. So inflation, we must stop that because it's, it's our center of living that is going down. And people understand they go and they do their groceries. Uh, they, they go and to the gas station. They know that maybe really, the real inflation must be more than 8%, sure. maybe around 10%. So everybody's poor. Our purchasing power is going down. We must stop that. The only way to stop that is to balance the budget and saying to the Bank of Canada, no, because for them, their mandate is to create inflation. Mm -hmm. we, we tell them we want 0% inflation target. Like that, everybody will keep their purchasing power and will be richer. So the, the, here's something I don't understand. In, in, in an economy that's declining, inflation's bad, and we've just said we've, we've lost all these jobs. Why are so many service industries unable to get enough people to work for them? I mean, every Tim Hortons I go to has got a sign-up saying, please be patient, we're short of stock, and they've got, we're hiring. Um, the motor, one of the uh, motor dealers in, in Woodstock has had a sign-up there looking for mechanics, technicians, and uh, another salesman. And you go a bit further down the road and, and somebody else saying we need plumbers and electricity. Yeah. Why aren't people working? Why, why, why? It sounds like an anomaly that you're losing jobs, but people can't find employees. What's going on? Yeah, it, it's, it's a structure of the economy right now. So some people are losing jobs and other people are working maybe two or three jobs to be able to, uh, have sure. the same standard of living. Right. So, uh, I know that there's, uh, 
uh, a lack of people in different industry uh, like that, I think the only way to solve that is to be sure to that when people we, we need to give the right incentive for people to work. And the right now with all these programs, we gave them you know a lot of money out of thin air, and we encouraged them during COVID nineteen to stay at home and to not work. Not work. So all these programs must go, and I believe that a large part of them are gone right now. But it's the structure of the government. The government is always there, and people think that the government will save them. No, the government cannot save everybody. No. The government, you know, the government is the problem. The big fat government is the problem. So let's have a smaller government. We'll create more, we'll create more jobs. And I believe that we'll be able to grow our economy. Yep. It, it reminds me, you quoted uh, Margaret Thatcher when you were talking to the audience a little earlier. And I, you know, I remember those days. And I remember reading that because of the socialist governments before her, from Harold Wilson onwards, that she was seeing the third generation in a household where who'd never worked. Right? It's mm -hmm. bad enough if one generation never works, but three generations in the same house on welfare, yeah. that's got to be a recipe for disaster. And that's my fear when I see that people don't want to take these lower-level service jobs you know, uh, because they've been surviving on government handouts, for want of a yeah. better term. Yeah. That, again, has to be a, a disaster coming up. Let, let's switch gears for a moment, and uh, this is one that I know many of our our audience are interested in its agriculture. Uh, we've been talking about um, what the Liberals are trying to do. Let's move on to supply management, which is a really thorny issue in, yeah. in, in Canada. I came from a, a continent where agriculture had to take their risks like everybody else and the weather, weather risk. You, there was no support whatsoever for agriculture. So I have quite a lot of sympathy for some forms of supply management. But I'll give you an example of one of the dangers as I see it. And that is, I know that when dairy farmers exceed their quota, if they were to send that excess milk to the processing plant, they can, but they have to pay the transport on it, and they will not get paid for the milk. So it's better for the farmer, and his margins are tight with all the costs going up, to just pour that into the ground. Right? We have starving people in third world countries that Canada spends billions on foreign aid. Mm. Why, I'm just using one example. Mm. Why couldn't we take that milk Pay, just pay the transport, even if we don't pay the farmers. We'll pay them a minimal fee, put it into condensed milk or dried milk or whatever, and use that as part of what we give away in food aid. Uh, so some of, so our Canadian farmers are now getting some of the benefit of Canada's billions in foreign aid instead of that going to a third country who happens to have a process. And so I'm just using one yeah. example, but I think there's others in the whole agriculture. What's your policy there? Yeah, absolutely. On, on, uh, on that, uh uh, you know, quota for dairy, poultry, and, and eggs producers. Uh, for us, we need to stop that. They need to be able to uh, work uh, and in competition like other farmers. That being said, I want them to be productive. I want them to be successful. And and our goal is not to cut the the quota and everything the first year. We we will have to if we want to abolish that system, that supply management system. We will have to buy back the quotas, and the cost for that it's about twenty-five billion dollars. Yeah. So what I'm telling you, it's a lot of money. They will have that money, and they will be able to be more productive, to reinvest in their productivity, and after that, you open the market maybe after five years, and they will be able to export their products. So, but what I'm telling you is because of that huge deficit and irresponsible deficit that we that Trudeau did. 
we won't be able to do that reform in the first mandate of a no, people's party government. It's the, the, our first priority will be to balance the budget, will be to cut our spending, not to add more spending. Uh, so I'm telling to the dairy producers, if you like our platform, our philosophy, fighting for our way of life, fighting for our culture, for our civilization, Western civilization values, being sure that this country will be prosperous, you know, we won't do any reform with the supply management system in the first mandate. We won't be able to do that. At the second mandate, after balancing the budget and lower taxes, we will look and we will sit with you to find a way for you to be more productive, but also for you not to waste uh, milk like that uh, down the drain. Yeah, yeah. That, for me, coming from a country where people starve, it, yeah. it, it, it really hurts me to see milk being poured into the ground yeah. or to hear about it, should I say. Um, one, one that's on everyone's minds, uh, vaccine mandates and the travel, the, the whole travel, and it's a fiasco when we see what's happening at the airports. And I hear from people overseas saying, yeah, no way we would consider coming to Canada at the moment because of what we're hearing about this arrive can. What would be your policy on that? We will arrive Canada won't be enforced anymore. We will repeal all these legislations. We won't impose any mandates. You know, we will respect our charter of rights. You know, I went in jail in Manitoba last summer because I did a rally in a park. That was political repression. I was arrested and cuffed and put in jail for a non-crime after a political gathering. So yeah, when I'm speaking about freedom, about respecting our rights, I know what it is. You know what I it was is. I was only 12 hours in jail. And look, Tamara Lynch was, I think, 48 days 48 for days, nothing. That's right. She was a political prisoner. Of course. So, of course. so it won't happen on us, on, on, under us. We will respect our constitution and and respect people you know and, and and that's it that's the bottom line respect the constitution that's yeah, all, we, all yeah, we need to do yeah what about the media i i just see what's happening in the media they're, they are totally under the thumb of the government right and traditionally and again coming from where i come southern africa traditionally 90 percent of the mainstream media has been anti whichever government is in power it doesn't matter if it's a liberal labor conservative that's been the role of the press. The fifth yeah. estate has been to hold the government to account. And sometimes they go overboard. And I think we, we from Maggie Thatcher's time, we saw that in the UK. And now we've got all the mainstream media supporting the government. So yeah. something has to be wrong. And it all boils down to money, doesn't it? So, oh, so how do we, how do you, as, as the new government, get rid of that bias in the well, media? First of, first of all, uh, CBC, they receive more than $1.1 billion every year. We will cut that. So CBC, they're, they're not, uh, you know, objective because they're receiving all that money coming from the federal government. They mm -hmm. don't, they don't critic the, the federal government. CBC, CTV, and all these mainstream media. So the, Trudeau gave them half a billion dollars to the mainstream media. We will cut that. We won't give any money to the media. We won't give any money to CBC. So like that, you know, they they will have to change because they will have to raise money from their viewers. That's right. So if you don't like what they're saying, you won't give money to them and they will go bankrupt. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's the only way to stop the, the, the you know, the, all these... Uh, uh, programs that Trudeau put in place for the media, we will cut out that because I told you our goal is to balance the budget. 
We can save $1.1 billion with CBC. We can save another $500 million by cutting the, the, the fund that uh, Trudeau put in place for the mainstream media. And like that, they will, to, they, they will have to be, and they, they will, they will be independent because we want the media to be independent yes. from the government and they're not right now. So the only way for them to be independent is to cut their, cut their, their funding. That's yeah. right. And the business model works. We have things like Netflix that makes a profit. Yeah, right? yeah. And we have now uh, independent media, what you're doing right now. That's you right. Know? Yeah. So we need to promote that with more independent media. Promoting independent media by not giving you money. You don't want any money from the government. And I believe that CBC must not have any money and CTV must not, must not have any money from the government also. Like all these that'll, independent <clears throat> uh, media that are out there. Yeah, that'll sort of... Last, last one. Um, because I came from a different culture where guns were treated just as tools. They weren't macho symbols. We, and we had no mass shootings. We had, we had very few murders other than terrorism. Uh, people respected guns. And now the latest is uh, our, our Prime Minister wants to ban the import of guns, of handguns and the sale of handguns. What's the PPC's policy on firearms? Repeal that. You know, uh, we want people, we have a gun legislation in Canada. If you want to have a gun, you need to follow courses. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, you will have uh, your wife or your husband will have to sign. You will have to be investigated by the RCMP. And after that, you will have a permit to be able to own a gun and to buy a gun. So that's good legislation. But all the legislation that Trudeau put in place to, uh, forbidden guns because of crimes. The reality is these crimes are, co uh, are committed with illegal guns. Of course. Of course. So, so we believe in, in, in legal uh, people that are owning guns legally. And so we will repeal uh, all these uh, uh, legislation. And the last, the last one that Trudeau did, you know, the, uh, the fact that you cannot buy any end guns right now in Canada? No, that's, that's not the problem. The problem is we must fight criminals yeah. and, and put money there and giving more money to our police force to fight criminals. That's right. So we will repeal all these gun legislations that Trudeau put forward and, uh, and go back to what we had before. Great, great. Well, we're, we're out of time. Max, I really appreciate, thank you very much. I right. really appreciate you giving me the time here and, uh, for our international viewers, uh, I've been talking to Maxine Vernier, leader of the PPC, who did an amazing job at the last general election in Canada by going from around 1% at the previous one to 5%, coming close to a million votes, and within a whisker of getting a couple of seats. And we know that uh, it's going to be a better story next time. So thank you once again, Max. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for that opportunity for me to be able to speak to your viewers. Good. And so I hope I'll be able to be with you next time also when I'll be back in the region. And at the next election, we'll be at the front of the queue for another interview. How's that? First, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you again.